The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. And if you're following it in the Bible, it's on page 1039. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give him give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I don't know uh, what kind of dreams wake you up at night sometimes. But uh, probably most of us have, have been woken in the middle of the night with one of those, uh, one of those dreams where um, something has caught us unaware, un unsuspecting. Um, you know, there's always that sort of common dream of sort of walking into a room to only find out that there's an examination and you're not ready and you don't have a pencil or whatever it is and you realize you haven't studied or done revisions and you're not prepared and you kind of wake up feeling like, <gasps> ugh. Um, some here may have had the, uh, that dream uh, where um, it's actually that you sort of go in downstairs and you realize that there's a whole house full of people waiting to eat. And you go in the kitchen and not only have you not prepared the meal, but there's sort of the cupboards are bare. I won't ask, if any, I, you know, I've had those kinds of dreams. There's sort of moments where you wake up and you just realize, oh, I feel completely unprepared. And, and usually it's a pretty good sign to us that there's something in our life that we have a lot of angst about, about not being ready for. And uh, today is, in this passage is uh, sort of a, a thing like that. Uh, it is a, a one a passage we're familiar with, uh, especially if you've grown up in church or you uh, came through Sunday school, the Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, there is this moment where all this crowd is there and they are ready to eat. They're hungry and it's time. And the question is, nobody's prepared. And what are we going to do in this moment? Uh, now that the feeding of the 5,000 actually, uh, all four gospels tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And, and two of the gospels go on and tell about a second time a very similar thing happened and there were 4,000 uh, that were present. Um, and, and it's amazing though, each the, the gospels have um, put the, this, this story in, um, they have a different emphasis. 
when they tell the story about what's going on. And today, um, we're looking at Luke's gospel as we go through this uh, series about at table with Jesus. And, and Luke frames this, this event and, and, and the way he wants to present it to us is it comes right after Jesus sending out his disciples. Jesus has just uh, gone and sent, talked to his disciples, the 12, and he sent them out uh, into neighboring towns and villages to go and minister, to heal people, to cast out demons, to do all sorts of things. But he tells them this one thing. He, first of all, he gives them authority, but then he tells them this. He says, now don't take anything with you. Don't make any provision for your trip. Don't take an extra coat with you. Don't take a, a bag with some money in it with you. And he specifically says, and don't take a loaf of bread with you. And, and so we read that the, the disciples went out and, uh, and, and they did their ministry. And it's actually in that context that we see these first few words of this passage that we read today. And when the apostles returned. So they have just come back from going out and ministering and going out taking nothing with them. What we can presume, I think, from all the times the story is told when Jesus sends out his disciples with nothing with them is that everything went just fine. <laughs> they didn't make any provision for the things that they might normally take with them. And yet when they return, when they're finished, they're not, you know, the conversation is actually never about, oh, you know what, well, we were a little short a few times. You know, oh, well, we almost didn't have dinner one night. That just sort of doesn't come up. In fact, most of the time, the, the emphasis is on they come back and say, this was amazing, amazing things happened. Demons were cast out and, and people were healed and all sorts of things. In other words, there was sort of no concern for the fact that they had taken nothing with them. Everything had worked out just fine. They had been provided for in their ministry and in the travels and in the things that they have gone and done. But it's interesting that just after coming back from, from a time when they took nothing with them, now all of a sudden this crowd is gathered, people have come to hear and, and listen to the ministry of Jesus. They're right next to the, to the Sea of Galilee, and, and in the midst of that, uh, it becomes time for supper. And they begin to look around, and the conversation is, what in the world are we going to do? There's all these people, and, and, uh, and the disciples are saying, send them back and let, let them go somewhere and figure this out for themselves. And Jesus is like, we're not doing that. We're not, I'm not sending them away. Let's just feed them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Five loaves, two fishes. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> And of course, we know Jesus just takes it, lifts it, breaks it. I mean, you just, the, the, the picture, you know, if he just lifts it up to heaven, what he has, and prays over it, and the next thing you know, they begin to distribute it. This story in Luke's gospel is about provision. It's about saying, you know what? Jesus sent his disciples out with nothing, and it was just fine. And the next thing we know, 5,000 people are there, more than that. 5,000 men are there, where there's probably six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 people there. And it says, you know what? It, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's 12 going out and sort of making their way in the neighboring towns or thousands showing up. God will provide. 
It doesn't matter how much we have or don't have, whether we've taken anything with us or we've not taken anything with us, God will provide. I don't know, but most of us, many of us have probably had those moments where we wondered, will God provide? <laughs> Days of things have gotten tight and things have seemed difficult and, and yet somehow throughout the ages, God's people's Say, yes, somehow, some way, even when times seem like nothing, there's no way forward, over and over again, the testimony of God's people is God somehow provides. But there's another piece uh, on this, uh, of this passage is that it's not just that God provides. I think it's really easy for us to, to miss the fact that God provides with abundance you see after all these thousands of people are fed it says that there's 12 baskets left over now I have no idea how big the baskets were you know I mean you know you might imagine sort of small baskets um, when I was in Sunday school they were always big baskets you know in the sort of did you have flannel graphs those little things that went up on flannel things it was always a big they were 12 big baskets but you've got to love the image that that there's not just enough to feed everybody. I mean, that would have been really nice, wouldn't it? Just absolutely down to perfection, everybody and somebody finally takes the last bite. And it's like five loaves, two fishes, 5,000 fed to the bite. But I suspect that if, if that would have happened, I don't know, but I, I just can't imagine 5,000 people showing up and there wouldn't be been one or two in the crowd who at that moment, that last morsel was sort of put in their mouth and sort of celebrating, look, at there was just enough for everybody, that there wouldn't have been somebody like, yeah, you know, I would have taken some more, but I just was thinking about other people, and I'm really still a little bit hungry. No, you don't know people like that? I don't know. I, I'm convinced that there would have been some people, if it was just sort of seemed like just the right amount, there would have been some people, maybe not in that moment, but walking away later on, a few people saying, you know, I, I mean, I just got a few crumbs left over. But no, there is abundance. There's more than enough. There's not just enough. There's more than enough. Nobody could say afterwards, you know, as soon as anybody in the crowd would have said, well, you know, I didn't quite get enough. I mean, I'd had a little bite, but I mean, I didn't really get everything. I could have eaten more. They can just point and say, well, then why didn't you go and grab some out of those 12 baskets that were left over? Did you see what we had left over after this meal? I think sometimes in our Christian faith, we don't fully own that we serve not just a God who provides, but a God who provides with abundance. It's not just about eking by. It's about providing over and above, overflowing, abundantly. For many of us, our natural inclination is to get into a scarcity mentality, a mentality that there's not enough. 
There's not enough loaves and fishes to start with, but even when there is something, God's up to something and multiplying, there's still not quite enough. And we can just sort of feel like just always worried, always concerned, always living in that sense of there's never going to be enough. And, and that becomes sort of the lens that we look through. And I think as Luke tells us today, and we hear this story fresh and anew, we should be reminded that, no, when God shows up and provides, it's not just about having enough. It's about God providing more than enough. Whatever we think we need, there's actually more. Whatever think we think we have to have this to survive, there's actually more that God wants to do. That doesn't mean that we all just get, you know, new cars and new everything we might want, but it means that God actually is about doing something abundant in our lives and providing in ways that are full and abundant. Well, Luke's focus is, is on that, is on this, is on this provision, as I said earlier. Um, one of the other passages, one of the other gospel passages of, of the feeding of the 5,000 happens in the book of John. And it's interesting because John um, tells the same story, but, but he puts it in uh, the context around it and the, the emphasis that he's giving in the story is a little bit different. John actually talks about this story completely based around food. John is in the middle of a discourse and, and his writing about food. John introduces the passage, uh, not talking about the disciples having been sent out and, and, and that sort of piece of it. John starts the passage by telling us that this is all taking place right before Passover. Right before the biggest important uh, meal of the year, Passover celebration. It's all centered around a meal. It started in a meal in Egypt, and, and it's celebrated in a meal, and they're going to eat lamb, and they're going to have bread, and, and all these things are going to happen. And, and, and John says, it was just about the time to prepare for Passover, and this happened. And so it's in that light he tells the story, and, and, um, and, and the people, what happens is after they're fed and after we hear this story, the next thing John tells us is that uh, the disciples got in a boat and went to the other side of the lake. And Jesus doesn't get in the boat, Jesus sort of walks there across the water. And the next morning, everybody wakes up and realizes that Jesus is gone, the disciples are gone, and they say, we got to go find him. And so they crowd around and they follow and they go around and walk around to the other side of the lake until they find Jesus. And Jesus once again puts, brings the conversation back to food. He says this to, to the people the next day, they come and find him. He scolds them. <laughs> he says... John, this is John 6, verse uh, 26. He said, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus says, you know what? You're not, e you're not even here because I'm doing miraculous signs. You're just here because I gave you a really good meal. <laughs> And not only did I you have enough not only did I give you a good meal but you were full and you were satisfied. That that's why you followed me all the way across this this lake. He said do not work for food that spoils but for the food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you. So he he chastises them and says you know what this is all about you having a good meal. That's why you've made it all the way across the lake is because you want another meal. 
And then the disc, they start sort of talking back and forth. And the next thing that comes up is they start talking about all things manna in the wilderness. Amazing. You've got to go back and read it sometimes. They're going, you know what? You, did, you came just because you want some more bread. And then they start sort of, well, let's talk about, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about manna in the wilderness. Okay. Let's talk about manna in the wilderness. And as they begin to talk about manna, a, a, a fascinating thing happens. In the people's mind, as they're arguing and discussing with Jesus, is they begin to talk about the fact how Moses provided manna for them in the wilderness. Moses, in their mind, they're talking about Moses, how Moses provided manna for us in the wilderness. And Jesus is like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) He didn't quite say that, but something like that. Wait a minute. Moses provided manna in the wilderness? I think that would actually have been a shock to Moses as well. I don't think Moses thought that he provided manna in the wilderness. And Jesus says to him, them in verse 32 of John 6, he says, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3, or uh, chapter 8, verse 3, um, says this about the manna that came down. It says that God humbled you, causing your hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is saying to him, You know, manna is not actually even so much about the food. Jesus is saying manna is about the one who gives the food, the Father. And he's saying to them, you know, manna, one day they went out and manna wasn't there. And Jesus is saying to him, there is food that is so much more important than manna. And by the way, it doesn't come from Moses. And it's from there then Jesus goes into this discourse that um, continues on talking about food, but in a way that really shocks people because he begins to say, you know what, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you sort of have no place in the kingdom. I think the message in John's gospel of the feeding of of the 5,000, and as we talk about this idea of coming and eating at table with Jesus, is that our emphasis so many times is on the food. It's on the stuff in front of us. I mean, I love a good meal and a nice glass of wine. I mean, that's brilliant. But the invitation, the whole point is not really so much about what it is we're eating. It's about who we're at table with. You see, 5,000 people that day, 5,000 plus, had missed the point completely. Oh, yeah, we got some bread. We had some fish. Could we have some more? And Jesus is like, no, you know what? It's really great that you made this trek around the the lake to come and see me, but you've come to see me for all the wrong reasons. What you should be celebrating is that you were with me, that it was the Father who was here present with you because I'm here, that the one who had provided for the people of 
Israel in the wilderness, the one who had made the manna show up, the one who told Moses, tomorrow I'm going to bring some food. He's the one here with you. And that's the invitation. The invitation to table it with Jesus is not about table, it's all about Jesus. So today, maybe you're in a moment where you do wonder about provision. There's no question we live in an uncertain moment. (laughs) Not just in the life of this country, but around the world, lots of uncertainty. And maybe in the midst of that uncertainty, there is a cry within you about just provision. I want to remind you today that we serve a God who provides. Not just a God who provides so that we can survive, but a God who provides in such a way that there's abundance. But the real invitation today, the real thing is to say, there's an invitation to Jesus to come to table to be with him to be ministered to by him, to spend time with him, to feast and to feast on him. And that's where we find satisfaction because we can go running after all sorts of things that in the end only leave us disappointed. And Jesus is the one who says, I'm not gonna disappoint. Come feast on me. Come listen to my words. Those are the things that will make a difference. Let's just bow our heads and Lord, as we talk about eating at table with you, Lord, we just take this moment to celebrate you to celebrate that what it really is about is an invitation to be with you. Lord, we rejoice that as we've been going and will continue to look at passages in these meals, that, um, Lord, it is in these encounters with you that amazing things happen. Lord, miracles happen and multiplication happens, but, Lord, lives are transformed. And so today we ask you, come and transform us. Come and change us. May, Lord, the mixed motives of our own lives and our own hearts, Lord, um, cut through all of that. May our heart's passion and desire be to be at table with you. We're reminded today that uh, Psalm 23, you said that you even set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, you are with us and you sit with us even in the darkest days. So we welcome that. We thank you for that promise of who you are. And we ask for your abundant provision over our lives.